Every year, about this time, we come up with a theme. And our theme, generally, that we come up with is something that we will be instituting uh, throughout the entirety of the year. And so our theme for this year is building 2018. Actually, that's a, a sermon series title, but our our actual theme is Arise and Build. Everybody say that with me. Arise and Build. Let's say it again. Arise and Build. And today we're going to begin a series uh, entitled Building 2018. More specifically, if you're keeping notes, we're going to be talking about building through vision. Building through vision. So if some of you don't know, I just want to bring you up to speed. So our goal uh, is to raise uh, over $30,000 uh, this year because we want to lease out our own facility in the year of 2019. And so throughout this year, we will focus on key principles and strategies that we must embrace in order to meet our not only monetary goals, but our spiritual goals and build the kind of church that God has uniquely called us to be. So this will be our focus this year. Everything that we talk about this year is going to have building involved in it. Because how many know that, that what we're doing is, it's not about brick and mortar. What we're building is people. We're building the lives of people. We're, it's about building people. It's about changing lives. It is about making disciples. And so when you hear us talking about building, it's not just about brick and mortar. Sometimes people get that confused. It's not about brick and mortar. It's about people. Simply put, the, the, the building is just kind of the house. Uh, it's the house of the vision and what we intend to build. It's not the building that makes the vision. It's the building that determines uh, what we need in order to bring about God's plan for our church. So it's about building people. And so um, I want us to understand something. I think this is important that we do this every year. So uh, what I I'll not only come up with a theme every year, but I'll also I kind of take this time to restate our vision. And when I say that, I, I, what I mean by that is, is this. Who are we and what has God called us to be? What is the unique DNA of Foundation Church? What is the origin of our church? What is our calling who it is, uh, what this is all about. And the reason why I think it's important to restate that, because we are, quite frankly, a people uh, we very, very easily forget. Uh, you, you remember how the God oftentimes, when he spoke to the children of Israel, uh, the whole, and I said this before, but the whole book of Deuteronomy is a book about remembering. I mean, over and over again, God had to keep saying, remember, remember, remember. He had to keep reminding us because we tend to get, we tend to forget. We get caught up in the routine. We get caught up in the, in the mundane. And if we're not careful, we'll kind of forget why we're doing what we're doing. And one of the things I think help all of us is that if we can kind of see how that what we're doing in a, in a, in a, in a smaller in a smaller way, if we can kind of see how it fits into the big picture of what God is calling us to do, it'll make us much more uh, effective and I think, uh, you know, uh, much more excited about what God is doing. So we want to talk about that today. And so, like I said a moment ago, we're going to answer a couple of questions. We're going to answer what our vision is. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about uh, why Foundation Church exists. And, and if we have time, I may have to do this part next week. And then we'll kind of talk about the, how we kind of carry uh, things out or carry out this vision uh, in 2018 
uh, and beyond. So first, I want to talk about the importance of vision. Now, Proverbs 29, 18 is the verse that everybody is familiar with. And I, and I want to read this in the King James Version because I love the King James Version of this. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. We'll read that verse again. The Bible says, where there is no vision, Proverbs 29, 18, the people perish. So I want you to understand the importance of, of, of vision. Because what vision does, if vision gives a sense of hope, right? It gives a sense of purpose. It gives the reason why a thing exists. Uh, whether you are a, uh, whether we're a church like we are, or whether you are a parent, a mother, or whether you are an entrepreneur, or whatever your plans are in life, you need to have some kind of a vision. Vision will save you. I was talking to a brother this morning. You know what I'm talking about. But vision will save you a lot of time and a lot of money. Vision will keep you from fooling around with people that's going to pull you down. Y'all understand what I'm saying this morning. Vision will give you a sense of direction. So wherever you is, whatever influence, whatever your sphere of life is, I don't care if it's on your job or, you know, I don't care if you're, if you're planning a business of some kind or there needs to be a vision. Parents, we need to have a vision for our children. Ultimately, they're going to decide what they want to do in life. But we as parents, we need to have a vision for how to, how to, uh, to push them into the destiny that God, God has set for them. We have to have a, a vision for how we're going to run our life. We have to have a financial plan. We have to have a vision for these things because here's what I find out. When we don't have a vision, you, you're hitting nothing every time because you're not aiming for anything. And so you're living your life just kind of like responding to situations and just kind of survive in a survival mode where a vision kind of puts you in control. Y'all understand what I'm saying? That makes sense? Because you have something tangible. You have something that you're, you're shooting toward. So vision, it breathes excitement. It breathes a sense of enthusiasm. Vision, a vision especially when there's uh, multiple people that are involved, vision facilitates unity. Vision has the capacity to pull everybody, all of us, in the same direction, which is very, very important. We'll talk a little bit more about unity uh, next week. But without vision, the opposite is true, Right? Without vision, there's no real purpose. Without vision, there's no sense of a unity. There's no sense of hope. And we just kind of just, just existing and just, just kind of going through life with not really any aim. And so that is not the way God wants us to live. And so I'm going to read to you a particular verse in Habakkuk. Habakkuk was a prophet. It's a book in the Old Testament who wanted to seek God. He had some issues, some concerns about his nation that was under the judgment of God. He was concerned about his people. So Habakkuk had decided that he needed to get, he needed to sit down, he needed to have a conversation with the Lord. Now the reason why I'm going to read this particular verse is, is because I, I think it's important to, to just kind of show us the importance of a vision, but not only the importance of a vision, but how we get one and then how we lay it out. This is so important as we go into this. And so Habakkuk chapter number two, verses one and three. And it reads, and here's, here's, a, here's a Habakkuk the prophet. He said this, I will stand by my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me. Now hear that. And I will answer when I am corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said, 
write the vision and make it plain on tablets. This is important. That he may run who reads it. That's the key. That he who reads it, anybody who you communicate it to, anybody who's involved in it, that when they read it, they can run with it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. Hear that? But at the end, it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, watch this, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry or delay. Now, let, let, me, let me explain to you what the context of this particular verse is. So first we understand that Habakkuk, he received a vision from the Lord. He sought the Lord. And this is something that we all need to do. This is what we do as a church. I want you to understand that the vision of our church, it wasn't something that I just kind of thought about one day when I was eating spaghetti at the table or just kind of out playing golf and just cavalier. Um, the vision that we have for this church, which we will explain here in a moment, the vision that we have for our church is something that was, was, came through prayer and a burden. In other words, it was a burden and, and, and seeking God is how we came up with a, a vision for a direction for our church. So it wasn't something that we just kind of kind of threw out there. And in fact, I will say this. If, if, if you want to have a vision for whatever you're doing in your life, then the first thing you got to do is you got to do like Habakkuk. You got to spend time with God. Go to God and ask God for a sense of direction. Ask God, say, Lord, can you give me a plan for the next year, for the next two years, for the next three years? God, speak to me. How many of you have really done that? Really? Habakkuk, he went to the Lord. He had a burden. And he went to the Lord. He took it to God in prayer. And he said, I will wait. Because let me tell you right now, the devil don't want us to plan. See, the Bible says a man's mind plans his way, but God directs his steps. We have to, how many know we still have to come up with some kind of a plan? God don't direct people to sit down and do nothing. Y'all hear me? So if you're just doing nothing, you waiting on God, let me, you're going to be waiting for a long time. I'm just being honest. You're going to be waiting for a long time. So you have to come up with a plan. God wants you to do that because he made that thing in your mind, in your brain, in your head. It's called a brain, a mind. How many know that it is the most amazing uh, computer? Uh, it, it out, it's, it's better than Android. It's better than Apple. It's better than this, this thing right here called your mind. God made you in his image. He made you with creative ability and capacity. So he expects us to use our what? Brain. He expects you to use it. So watch this. Says, so, so Habakkuk, he, he, he went before the Lord. He prayed. He sought the Lord. And then he said, write the vision. He says, write it down. As you would know, a lot of, uh, in our church, if you look at our programs, I believe, I didn't even keep a copy. But our program, we have our vision kind of written there uh, on our programs every week. We have our vision uh, on our website. We have it on other things, other printed materials. Almost everything we send out, we print out. We always put our vision statement there. Because people, we want people to understand what our vision and our mission is. Habakkuk, the Lord told Habakkuk to write it down. Whether it's a vision for a church, for a family, whatever the case might be, write it down. Fathers, how many of us have written down the vision for our families? How many of us have written down the vision for our sons or written down the vision for our daughters? A, a vision on the direction of where you want your family to go. How many of us have written it down? Because one of the things, here's what I discovered in life. I discovered this. That until you really write something down, it's amazing what this would do. You don't believe me, try it. Until you really write something down, I don't really think you're serious about it. 
until you really write it down, put it on a, uh, like, I don't know, put it on somewhere where you can see it to constantly remind you all the time, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Let me tell you, it'll, it'll pop up in your mind one minute, and before you know it, it's gone. So God said, Habakkuk, write it down. He said, not only that, Habakkuk, I want you to make it plain so that anybody who read it, everybody who's involved in it, they can see it and they can run with it. So one of the things that's really hard about it, I don't know if you ever had to craft a vision and mission statement, but one of the things that is so hard about it is that, that, that the division that God gives a pastor or a church, you know, in this particular context, there's so many things that you want to say because there's so many things that is going through your mind. It's, it's, it's almost, it's, it's hard to kind of put in a statement. But the idea behind it is, is to write down some kind of a statement or, or to make it so that whoever is involved with it, whoever reads it, can catch it and run with it and understand, okay, this is what's supposed to be happening. He says to make it plain. That's the thing. We got to make it plain so that, so that people can understand it because the vision is what we believe God is taking us. Another interesting thing here, I like how he says here in Habakkuk, uh, he says, though it tarries, wait for it. I like to say this because I think it's important that, that sometimes when we get a vision, because you can have a vision and you can plan to say within a year, we're going to do this. Within five months, we're going to do this. Within, but one of the things I have discovered when it comes down to vision, that, some, that, that vision oftentimes is a process. And sometimes, what I mean by that, by process, mean it's, it's, a, it's a process anointing, meaning sometimes visions, it, it takes a while. It, don't all, it doesn't all, now that doesn't preclude, excuse you not to come up with a vision, but sometimes the vision don't, don't unfold in, the, in a timely fashion. So what he says, and, I, and this brings a little bit of encouragement to me, because he says, um, he says uh, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, um, an appointed time, how do you know God appoints our times and our seasons? Amen. See, an appointed time. See, see, this is, this, is what, this is the cloudy part because we're planning, but at the end of the day, God is going to do it when God want to do it. And then that's when we got to learn to trust him. He says the vision is for an appointed time. Boy, that's the good part because that, that well, depending on how you look at it, because that's that faith walk, right? That's when you got to say, God, okay, okay, I thought, I thought, I thought. What's happening? What's going on? It's a, so it's sometimes it's a delay. It doesn't always happen. In fact, I can, you can almost talk to anybody who is a, a CEO of a company. I'm talking about believers, a, a pastor of a, of a church, a ministry, a business, whatever it is. If you talk to any CEO, a lot of times they, they have plans. They will tell you, man, things just kind of turned out and, you know, they had a plan, but it didn't go exactly the way they thought it would go. But at the appointed time when it was supposed to happen, bam, it happened. And, and the good thing about us, the Bible says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. So we got God on our side. We can go to our father and talk to him knowing. That's why I say we can always be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the works of the Lord. Why? Because we know it's not in vain because God is ultimately directing our steps. But he wants us to have a vision. He wants us to have a plan. He wants us to understand some things. He wants us to get involved in the process. That's why Paul likes to refer to us as co-laborers. So the vision sometimes may tarry, but it won't tarry according to the appointed time or when it's supposed to happen. How many know that Jesus came at the, at the fullness of time? In other words, at the time he was supposed to come, that's when it happened. 
And, and that's the part of it that, uh, that should encourage all of us. Now, let's, let's go to our vision and our mission of our church. So what is our, our vision and mission? So I want to do this in two parts. So I want to state our vision. I'm going to state our mission. And then after that, we're going to give some scriptural context so that we can kind of understand why we're doing what we're doing, what this whole thing is all about. So our vision, in case anybody here don't know it, if you have your program, you can even look at your programs because we got it right there on your programs. Our vision is a very, very biblical vision. Our vision is to establish the believer on the firm foundation, hence foundation church, on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. That's our vision. To establish the believer on the firm, everybody say firm, firm foundation of Jesus Christ. In other words, we desire to see believers fully trusting in Jesus Christ for salvation, Jesus and Jesus only. We desire to see believers place their entire hope on Christ. Now, if you live in this world like we all do, if you listen to the world's communication, the way the world thinks, they don't think this way. We're talking about the firm foundation of Christ. That's what we're building here. We desire to see the believer transform into the likeness of Jesus Christ. That's what we desire in our vision. Our mission statement is this. So our vision is to establish believers on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. Our mission is to train and equip believers to become mature disciples. Mature, everybody say mature. To train and equip believers to become mature disciples. It's important that we understand this because most people relegate maturity to how much God blessed them. My, listen, I'm mature. If God, or, or they look at spiritual maturity as a matter of tenure. Y'all know what I mean when I say tenure? How long I've been saved. You ever hear people tell you that? I've been saved for 25 years. Yeah, but you're still not forgiving. You're still not loving. You're still not kind. You're still mad at everybody. You're still holding a grudge. But you know a whole lot of scripture. How many know that you can know a whole lot of scripture and not be spiritually mature? It's not about how much scripture you know. It's about how much that scripture is transforming your life. Maturity has to do with character being transformed. Right. So let's let's get that straight. So we measure then maturity. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. So we're measuring maturity, not by tenure, how long you've been saved, not how much God bless you. And yes, one of the benefits of walking with God is the blessing and favor of God. I get it. But if, if you believe that that is the capstone or the pinnacle or the true essence of spiritual maturity, you've missed the whole point. The devil has hoodwinked you. Christianity at its core is about much more than that. I'm going to show you here in a moment. I'm going to open your eyes in a second. Just stay with me. So we desire to see every believer in our mission uh, to grow up in the things of God, to see every believer mature. We explain what that is. That maturity, that hopefully that maturity will lead to a reproduction of other disciples. Because we believe, and I think it's very, very scriptural, that think about it, that all of the teaching that Jesus did and all the time he spent with the disciples, three years basically uh, uh, um, discipling them, teaching them, training them, uh, 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 working with them and showing them different things. But it wasn't until, watch this church, when Jesus left. It's amazing. Jesus said, I got to go away. He said, I got to go. He said, because then when I go, greater works will you do. Now, watch this church. 
the church didn't start growing. The excitement about Jesus didn't really fully hit its pinnacle until they started reproducing. Until the disciples then got out and they began to reproduce other Christians because of the preaching of the gospel. And until we get to that part of our Christian life, you will spend, you will, you'll spend the rest of your life, you may be getting knowledge, but I like to call it the quick fix that we go to, that we're always looking for the next fix on Sunday morning. You know, uh, I got a word here, I got a word there, I got a good word. Okay, I got to go to another place, I got to get another word. How much word do you need before you get it? Y'all hear what I'm saying? At some point, that word got to transform into multiplication. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? That is so critically important as it relates to our enthusiasm in the things of God. So let me give you a scriptural context then for our vision. Our vision is to establish believers on the firm foundation of Jesus. So I read this verse. Therefore, anyone who hears these saying of mine and does them, I will liken him a wise man who built his house on a rock. Now watch. So as we talk about a foundation, everybody here knows that a found that the most important part of any building is the what? Foundation. Right? If the foundation of a thing is not set right, then it's going to affect the entirety of the building. If the foundation is not set the way it's supposed to be set. So then, so we understand then as, we, as it relates to a, a believer and, and, and what God is building. How many know that the firm foundation for us is Jesus Christ? The firm foundation now. So he says now. Therefore, whoever hear these sayings of mine and does them. Everybody say does them. That's the key, right? So how many know it's not about what you hear. It's about what you what? Let me try that again. It's not about what you hear. It's about what you what? You get it? So he said, any man who hear these sayings of mine and then do them, he said, what? Now you're, now you're building the foundation. You're building your walk. You're building your faith on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Why? Because you're applying the word. You're not just being a hearer of the word. You can come to the church every Sunday. You can, I can stand up here and talk till you're blue, green, and purple in the face. Trust me, I tried it from time to time. Uh, don't laugh at that. But, but, but here's the thing, point. Until there's a, a point in time where we say, you know what? Um, let, let me apply what he's talking about. Let me apply what the word of God is saying. I'm going to talk here in a moment about the word of God. Because until there's some application, then, then we're, not really gonna, we're not really establishing ourselves on the firm foundation that Jesus has set. All right? So one who is committed to Jesus' teaching, uh, committed to doing this, and doing his teaching, is the one who's building his house or his faith on a rock. But then look what he says here. He goes on verse number, uh, verse number 25. He says, and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. It did not fall. Now the winds, watch this, the winds and the floods and the rains represents, watch this, it represents the, 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 the trials of life. The elements, the, the obstacles, the trials of life, the different things that we all experience. Now, let me say this. Just because you're a disciple of Jesus Christ does not exempt you from the common problems that everybody else faces in the world. Y'all hear me this morning. In other words, the Bible says that it rains on the just and the what? Unjust. The difference is you're a person of faith. You live above it. You understand that you've overcome it. And because you're a person of faith, it means, look, no matter how, how many know that life is going to beat on you sometime? 
Come on, church. The rain is going to hit your, um, it's going to come. The floods are going to come knocking at your door. But here's the key. When all that stuff and all that pressure comes on your life, because you have been listening and because you have been applying the word of God, though all that stuff come knocking at your door trying to bring you down, and when it's all said and done, you are going to still be standing. Why? Because your faith has been built on a rock. So, so, so all the stuff that the devil throws your way, all the, all the, because you got a, you got a good foundation. Why? Because man, you really apply. You've heard the word of God. You've applied it correctly. So now the winds, the waves, the troubles of life have coming, has been coming on me. And brother, you know what? I still love Jesus just as much as I did 25 years ago when I got saved. Can you say that you still love Jesus today as much as you did when you first got saved? Can you say that today? The winds and the waves of life going to come. He never exempted us from having problems and trials. Never, never. Jesus said, in fact, in this world, you will have what? Tribulation. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Isn't that what he said? He said, be, look at the neighbor and say, be of good cheer. Because he's overcome. Now, look at this. He says now, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine, watch it, and do not do them. You built your house. It's like a foolish man. Uh, watch it. Who built his house on a what? Sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the wind blew, and beat on that house, and it fell. And then watch this, church. Great was this fall. Why? Because it was built on sand. What makes a Christian house be built on sand? A, a, a Christian, if you want to call on that, a Christian who do not apply the word of God. Right? So what we, see, oh, I want to be nice. So what we do sometimes, we attract ourselves to places and, how can I do this? We attract ourselves to places and situations that will just kind of give us what we want to hear. How do we know that in most cases that what we want is not really all that good for us? I'm just being, can we be honest about that? How do we know, mm, you need what you need. You know, you can't give, you know, kids, if it was up to them, y'all know, they would eat cake and candy all day long. You just can't give them that. You got to give them, eat your greens, eat your, eat it. Why? Because this is what you need for good health. You got to have this. See, how many know that, 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 that. That, that, that if you're a Christian and, and the whole thing is, man, I want to just go. And I, boy, I see people pop and they just go from one place to another. They're just trying to find me somebody that will say, how many know that you can always find somebody that will tell you what you want to hear? But you can't always listen. But you're not, you're not going to always find people that will tell you the truth. How many know that at the end of the day, truth reigns? Y'all hear what I'm saying? It's about truth. So if you want a good foundation, we got to tell you the truth according to the word of God. We don't want you to be deceived. So Foundation Church, Foundation Church, see, we want to make sure that you're built on the right foundation. In other words, on the teachings of Jesus Christ, on the teachings of Jesus, not some theory, not some uh, nice kind of words that people just kind of say and mumble and jumble and say all kind of stuff. And it's, and it's not word based. Now, let me, let, me, let me show you something here about the word, word of God in, in a second. So part of a faulty foundation comes as a result, I believe, in part of feel-good preaching, materialistic or materialism, kind of a gospel-based teaching, emotionally driven teaching that is that minus substance, a teaching that is kind of relegated to self-satisfaction rather than sacrifice. 
Because how many know that the essence of real Christianity is sacrifice? That's the real essence of Christianity. And if you don't get that principle down, then we have been deceived. So we here at Foundation Church, we emphasize, we emphasize a solid foundation that is built on the word of God and not emotion. Uh, a people that know their Bible and can teach others. That's what we aim to do here. It's not, I don't want you to build your faith on Pastor Gary. You are a fool if you build your faith on Pastor Gary. You are crazy. I wouldn't build my faith on me. We build our faith on who? We build our faith on him, on his word. That's, that's what it's all about. So now let me give you the scriptural context for our mission statement. That was for our vision statement. Talk, that was about foundation. To establish believers on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. Our scriptural context for our mission. To train and equip the believer to be mature disciples. Everybody say mature. mature. We kind of mentioned that a little bit, something about that a moment ago. But I want to read a verse that really kind of brings this home because, first of all, we got to understand what it means to be a disciple. <laughs> I mean, not everybody understands fully what it fully means to be a disciple. Part of your foundation is getting the right information. <laughs> Part of your foundation is getting the right information. Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 and 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, listen to this. If anyone desires to come after me, this is Jesus talking. This is important because you don't hear this. I'm telling you right now, I want to now I'm going to I'm going to read this verse and I want you to think to yourself, when is the last time I'm just being being honest, not being judgmental of nobody. I'm just being honest. When is the last time you heard in any church, any preacher Preach this verse right here. Here it is right here. Matthew 16, verse 24 and 25. Then Jesus said to him, to his disciples, when's the last time you heard this verse? To anyone who desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. When's the last time you heard a good sermon on that? Last, last week? Last month? Okay, wait a minute. A couple of months ago, a year ago, I'm asking you, when the last time you heard a preacher from the pulpit preach this verse, that if anyone desires to come out to me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Lose your life. That's not, that's, that's, that's not what's being preached as much today. You know why? Because... It, 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 it cuts against the grain. That's too strong. Pastor, that's too strong. That's for them weird Christians over it. Those are weird Christians. Yet, this is the foundation. When it comes to being a disciple, this is the verse to which is the, is the portal, if you will, to what discipleship is really, in essence, all about. Now, let, me, let me explain to you, to you this, what Jesus says here. And this is, what, this is who we are as a church. I want you to understand this because what I'm communicating to you is what we're all about. <clears throat> Jesus said to them plainly, he says that the number one requirement to being his disciples, the number one requirement is self-denial. We are busy trying to keep part of ourselves, don't we? 
We want to we want to give Jesus parts of our life, but then there's other parts we you know. But 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 if you're gonna really be Jesus, if you're gonna really be my disciple, if you how many of you want this is what Jesus said. How many of you want to come after me? How many of you desire to come after me? Jesus asking the question, the rhetorical questionnaire. He says, "Watch this." He says, "If you desire to come after me, deny yourself." Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I I, I got some plans for myself. I got things I want to. I got things I want to do. I got things I think they ought to be done. I think I think I supposed to what die first. See, and therefore now you can see why there's a lot of cracks in people's foundation because nobody gets taught this. I'm just saying, again, not being judgmental, just stating facts. I listen to preachers all the time. I got people I listen to. I'm telling you, this verse I rarely hear preach. I'm just, and I don't know why, but I'm just telling you. But yet, it should be preached as one of the first verses for anybody coming into the kingdom of God. Because if they don't understand this principle, it's no wonder why their foundation is faulty. That their, their faith is shallow and it's all based upon God just meeting my need. How many know that God... God, you already, how many know that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, that the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof? Don't you know, don't, don't we understand that, that he owns it all? That what God is doing in our life is much bigger than him meeting your first, your personal need. It's bigger than that. We need to believe bigger than that. We need to go stronger, much more bolder than that. Jesus says, so now what does it mean self-denial means? It means to yield to his control, watch this, so completely the self has no rights whatsoever. Wow. I can look at some of your face right now. You say, I don't believe it. Hey, I can, if I had time, I'll even show you the Greek. I've exegeted this thing. I've looked, I've dissected this because I remember when I first started studying this years ago, man, it was like, man, there got to be a misunderstanding there somewhere. No, it means to yield, and if you, if, you, if you find something different, then please come back and say, Pastor, I studied this, I, I took your advice, and Pastor, it's totally different than what I, you said. Ben, I welcome that. Enlighten me. I'm wide open. He says, so as I studied this, it means to yield yourself to complete control, to yield to his control so completely that self has no rights whatsoever. Watch this. It is the mission of our church. This is what we teach. This is what we believe. A total yielding of ourselves to Christ. Why? Because if you read Colossians 3, 1, it says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. That's Colossians 3, 1. What is, I don't know how to interpret when you are dead other than you are dead. Is there any way, other way to interpret that? Don't work with me. Any other way to interpret that? I didn't think so. Well, this is not a popular message today, but I can see you look on your face. Y'all don't like, but you know, but, but it's true. If you get this revelation, you'll find, here's the key. If you can embrace this, then you'll find the happiness that you want. You'll find the peace that you want. Then you won't be upset when little things don't go your way because your happiness was never based on whether or not stuff went your way or not. It was based on your love and your affection and your relationship to Jesus Christ. If you don't get this, your life, your Christian life, you'll be a yo-yo because you never understood this principle. Jesus said, watch this. So then he said, take up his cross. I can tell you right now, I'm not going to finish this message today. Take up his cross and follow me. So watch this. What does it mean to take up his cross? Here it is. To take up 
His cross, meaning your cross. Every one of us got a cross to bear. That, that cross, Jesus died. He paid for our sin debt. But how many know there's a price to pay when you want to get, when you want to be seriously walking with Jesus, there's a price to pay. And y'all know what I'm talking about. Nowadays, it's becoming more and more clearer and more difficult to walk with Jesus and try to hide. You can't hide no more. You got I mean, it, the, how many know the devil, he's coming after us. See, watch this now. He said, take up his cross. This simply means a willingness to endure shame, suffering, and even death for his sake. Take up his cross. That's what it means. Willingness to endure shame. In other words, if y'all want to talk about me, if y'all don't want to have lunch with me, if you want to talk about my family, if you want to ostracize me, if you don't want to give me the promotion because I believe in Jesus and I want to live a righteous and holy life, I live based on my convictions of the word of God. If y'all want to treat me wrong, then so be it. I'm going with Jesus. That's what it means to take up your cross. That's what it means. That's what it means. That in the face of all the opposition against you, you stand with the word of God. You say, Lord, this is what the Bible says. You don't even have any authority to go beyond what this book says. Y'all getting this this morning. He's take up his cross and then follow him. Now, what that simply means is to live as he lived. To identify with him that others will take note that you are a Jesus freak. Now, when I say Jesus freak, I'm not talking about in a weird way. Because I don't believe that, that we're called to be weird. I think we're called to be relevant. I know some folks, they're so heavenly minded, they're earth, no earthly good. You got to be careful with that, you know. So, you know, uh, you, know, I, you, know, you know, when you're around unbelievers and people who don't know your Christian language, then you got to speak to unbelievers in a way they can understand. Paul said, I become all things to all men, but I'm, I might reach some. So when I'm talking to people who are not saved, you know, I, I'm not saying I don't get out of myself as like, Cursing, using profanity. I'm just saying, I speak to them in, entirely in a whole in, entirely different way. I speak their language because I want to reach them. I don't want to be. I don't want to be seen as weird. How many know the faith in and of itself? The nature of Christianity is uh, is, is hostile enough. You don't need to be weird and make it more difficult. Y'all understand what I'm saying? So don't be weird. Don't walk around like you're living on cloud nine. Like, like chill out. Be relevant. Be real. I mean, talk to people, laugh, go to the movie, have a good time, live your life. All right. Don't be don't be crazy. I can't do that. Chill out. Chill out. So but people need to take note that, man, you're different. You, you, you don't man, you don't do. You know, you know, when I got saved, people knew what I was like. You knew what I was like before I got saved. Hey, hey. She don't, don't talk to her. She tells her, don't talk to her about what I was. She know what I was. She, remember, she, she knew what I was like. And I wasn't walking with God. There was a distinct difference. And when I got right with God, nobody believed me. I was like the Apostle Paul. Man, Apostle, you know, who was it? Uh, who was it? The, the Apostle Paul, you know, he got saved. A lot of folks, because Paul was out there just doing so much crazy stuff that, man, Paul had to get the brothers of Peter and everybody else had to introduce him. Look, the brother, he, he's a changed man. Everybody, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. It was like, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I mean, I didn't believe it myself. But hey, I listen, I got right with God. I changed. And, and listen, if you're telling me you got saved and you ain't and nothing in your life changed, help me with that. I don't understand that. Because this lifestyle is hostile. It's radical to be a Christian. 
It's radical, man. I'm telling you, I don't understand this kind of Christianity that, you know, just kind of like, you know, nobody know. I mean, people will take note. If you start walking with God, people go, and not because you're in their face preaching to them, just being a good Christian, just living, walking with God, people will know what's up. You don't even have to say anything. Y'all know what I'm talking about. They will just know like, mm, mm, mm. You're not thinking normal, natural. You're, what's wrong with you? You think you're holier than thou. Then you start getting that. You, know, you don't think you're holier than thou. You're just trying to walk with God because you know who you are. You know where God has brought you from. And so you're different. And you want that. You welcome that. Yes, that's good. I want you to understand that I found something that revolutionized my life. And if you come aboard, you will be transformed as well. That's the beauty of who we are. Jesus says this. He goes and say, he says, whoever will lose his life for my sake, Watch this. He said, he'll find it. Man, I want, a, I want a good life. I want a life of fulfillment. I want a life of satisfaction. I want a life, man, of peace. I want a life, man, where, where, where I'm not worried about stuff. I want a life, man, of just, I just want a life, man. I just, just, just live my life not to have to be. Here's the key. Jesus said, if you want to find true life, lose the one you got then you'll find the life that you want. And what got me so, if I can say this, I don't know if it's appropriate, but what ticked me off, I want to say another word, uh, but what ticked me off when I first gave my life to Christ around 24, 25 years old, I first, the only thing I could think about is, why did I wait so long? Because I knew the truth. My mom was dragging me into church as a kid. I told y'all the story. Dragging me into church as a kid. And the only thing I can think about is, because all that while I kept telling myself, if I give up this, if I give up that, hey, life ain't going to be fun no more. It's going to be boring. I can't do this. And that's the way I, and I was, and I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to give up. I want to keep my, and the devil lied. And when I realized that, man, what, what God did down on the inside of me, I was offended. I was like, I should have got saved when I was eight. Should have got saved when I was five. Because I realized that I had been hoodwinked, I had been duped. This is the essence. And so what we're trying to do is, we're sitting at Foundation Church, what we're about church, we're about true discipleship. Again, I'm just saying to you, you won't hear this talked about, but how many believe it's biblical? How many of you come and raise your hand if you believe what I'm saying is biblical? If you, if you believe it. It's, it's right here in the book. It's not Pastor Gary talking. I, I spend very little time up here talking and giving a whole bunch of opinion. I give you loads of scripture. Pastor, why do you do that every week? I give you loads of scripture because I want you to put your faith in the word of God. I want you to go back home and read this verse. If it don't make sense to you now, go home and study. Have enough courage to go home and look it up for yourself and study it. It's your life. Your eternity rests upon this. Study it. Can I get, can I get seven more minutes? Seven more. Can I get seven more? Amen. Amen. All right. So part of that maturity, I'm almost finished anyway. So part of that maturity is, um, is, is, is part of this uh, uh, training and equipping disciples. So training and equipping is, is about growing. It's about maturing. Second uh, Peter 1.3, he says, laying aside all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. Lay all that stuff aside. He says, as newborn babies, desire the milk pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. That's 1 Peter 2, verses 1 and 3. 
Desire the sincere milk of the word. Everybody say desire. <sighs> Think about this. Um, when a baby is nursing from its mother or when a baby is being fed a bottle, um, the baby wants that milk. A baby wants his milk. You ever seen a baby get so upset that a baby will literally, they can be black, but boy, they'll turn red. And you'll literally see them. I mean, they'll scream and they will yell. And they will, they, man, they will just, they will just, man, they will pitch a fit until you take that bottle and stick it in their mouth. And, and then when they get it, when they really want it, they start, they start going, whether it's a bottle or whether they're nursing, they, I mean, they're going like, and they, they'll do it so much until they choke on it. And you're looking at you're going you're gonna to slow down, man. You're going to choke. You're going to kill yourself. And the baby is going after that milk as if their life depend on it. It's interesting that Peter said this. Now, I'm going to give you some context so you understand why we preach the word here. Because some of you have come from background where they don't do a whole lot of preaching of the word. I'm just being honest. They don't do a whole lot of preaching of the word. Why do we preach the word here? The Bible says, watch this. He says, desire the sincere milk of the word. What? So that you can grow. Desire the sincere. He said, so like he said, as newborn babies, just like a, a newborn, that's the picture. Just like a baby craves that milk and got to have it. Got it. Not once a day, but twice, two, three times. But I got to get this milk. And he said, you want us at that word just like that. When's the last time you got in the word of God and read it? When's the last time you're like, man, let me just take five. I mean, I don't care, church. We need to come to a place where you get this word. Because if you're going to grow spiritually, you cannot, you got to get, you got to read this book more frequently. I don't know if you pass. I don't like to read. Put it on tape. I don't like tape. Get a movie. <laughs> they got all kind of stuff for you. Ain't no excuse. But whatever you do, get this word down on the inside of you. Why? Because you cannot grow as a Christian apart from this. It ain't going to happen. Well, I'm growing spiritually because he says that you may grow by grow thereby. You're going to grow thereby. Thereby what? The word. And that what it said? He's a desire, as newborn baby, desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you've tasted. And, and no doubt about it, for those of you, know, we've tasted, we know the Lord is good. We've tasted his mercy. We understand and we, we have tasted and seen the goodness of God's grace, the sweet taste of his mercy. We, we see all of that. See, the, 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 the issue here, church, is that when the word of God is properly applied, hear me. And I'm, I'm, I'm finishing with this. When the word of God is properly applied and when we're digesting that thing in our hearts on a regular basis, we're going to grow into mature disciples. So that's what Foundation Church is all about. We're about making what, what our mission is to train and equip you to be mature disciples. That's why in everything we do, we give you the word. We always use by we. Why do pastors always talking about scriptures? I don't want to hear no scripture. Always, that's all I know. Anybody that come up here and teach and preach and share in our church, they all know the same thing. This is the model. They don't have to sound exactly like me. They don't have to be exactly like me, but they better be able to justify whatever they say from the Bible. When I come up here to stand before you, I always make sure that I need to be able to justify what I say from the book. Because if I can't, if I can't justify from the book, then you're under no obligation whatsoever to hear it. Now, but if I preach you the word and you can lay your eyes on it and you can read it and you know it's true, then the question then becomes, what are you going to do with what you just heard? What are you going to do with what you just heard? What, what am I going to do? I mean, I, the pastor just read I mean, I, I'm looking at it. 
In fact, I went home. I studied it myself. That's why we, Foundation Church is a word-teaching church. We don't have all the answers. We're not the smartest people in the world. I'm not the most articulate preacher in the world. I get it, but I do know the word. All I have, I give unto thee, the word of God. That's it. So that's what we're all about. And, and, and uh, I'm going to stop right there. I said seven minutes. Okay, I got one minute. All right. All right. It's, everybody stand to your feet. I'm finishing. I got this one. I, I'm not going to finish all of it, but this one little part I want to get. Uh, just put up the Ephesians chapter four. I'm closing right this. Turn to Ephesians chapter four, verses 11 to 14. Okay. Okay. What is spiritual maturity? So this is part of our, vision, uh, our mission. Our mission is to train and equip you to become a mature disciple. What does, how do we know if we're mature disciples? That's a good question. I need a barometer. How, how do I know? How do I know that I'm a mature disciple? Well, if you look at Ephesians chapter number 4, verse 11 through 14, the Bible says, he's talking about Jesus, he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith. And the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. Everybody say perfect man. Come on. Perfect man. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's it right there. To the measure of the fullness of the stature of Christ. To the measure of the fullness of the stature of Christ. So how do I know that I'm spiritually mature? Here's the question. Here's, here, here's the answer to that question. The more I am like Christ the more spiritually mature I am. Notice I didn't say how much Bible you know, how long you've been saved. I didn't say any of that. I said, we determine spiritual maturity by how much we have grown into the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's what it simply means. So we talk about Foundation Church. We are a church that are building True disciples on a good foundation because the conviction that we have is that that the body of Christ, what, what God, what I feel like God is God is making us uniquely different is that we really hone in on this idea of building a good, solid foundation, one that is biblical. We really drive home that point. That's what I believe God has called us to be. So everything about our church needs to kind of wrap around that concept because that's who God has called us to be. And I, and I say to people all the time, I say to folks, I say, look, if you want to be, a, if you want to grow as a believer, I say, I say to people all the time, I say, listen, if you want to grow and if you want to be a true disciple, if you really want to know your book and really want to become what God wants you to be, you'll love this church. But if you're just kind of looking to be entertained and you're kind of looking to be, um, you know, just to be feel good kind of thing, it's probably not going to be what you, what you want. Um, it's not, again, we're not different. We're not better. We're just doing what God has uniquely called us to do and be. And this is what God has called us to be. I, I wish I could share more, but I can't. But that's going to have to end it for the day. So every, eye, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Father, in Jesus' name.